Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You're tuned in to the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. Thirty Minute Hustle is a community of performers with a story to tell. We believe that each individual has a distinct path towards achieving their goals and are obsessed to learn about their process. As a platform to bridge the gap between knowledge creators and seekers, we hope the journey will inspire you to accelerate your growth. Welcome to the network of knowledge, mindset, and practice. Recycling was even invented by the traditional plastic industry so that they can do basically make more products, right? Uh, so the idea is that just because you are recycling it uh, doesn't mean you can consume more, continue to consume more. Uh, what's really more important is uh, to not consume as much as we can. I'm sure there's so many things that we need to, but essentially then trying to dispose it off responsibly. Uh, I think as consumers, it's our responsibility if we buy something to ensure that we, uh, you know, uh, dispose it off responsibly. Have you ever wondered if the plastic waste we generate is actually recycled and reused? This is a question that a lot of us have, but never really consciously stop to think about. Today we have the architect duo Mridula and Pradyumna, who are co-founders of Samsara, the recycle company. They are focused on creating products and furniture from recycled waste material, especially plastic. I've seen them evolve over the years and love their designs. I really enjoyed this episode and it completely changed my mindset on being a conscious consumer and I hope this does the same to you. My name is Nudla. This is Pradyumna, my husband. Uh, and we started, we went to architecture uh, college together uh, in 2011. And we finished in 2016. And we went to work for a little bit and we kind of felt that, you know, it was too stagnant. And, you know, this 95 made us cry. <laughs> so then I think he had this great idea. And do you want to take over? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're basically uh, co founders of. Uh, a company called Samsara. Uh, we basically focus on uh, you know creating products uh, mostly made from uh, waste material. Um, you know, in, in in a in an attempt to be sustainable um, and kind of reuse the resources that you know can people think of waste and kind of add value as designers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why do you guys get into architecture in the first place? I guess uh, when I started architecture, I had a different vision. I really liked interiors and I like to do up spaces and. Um, I think it was more um, interior spaces and I really liked that creating something out of like a blank, you know, a blank canvas and how you kind of make it from something completely white into something which connects to you. Or, or, and now you, and now five years later, I kind of feel like I connect with someone else, which is a stranger and kind of get their vision into their blank space. So I think that was pretty nice for me and I really like architecture because of that. Yeah. What about you, Pradhima? <laughs> <laughs> fun stories. Don't tell me it was because of Mridula you followed her to college. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, always surrounded by buildings and uh, kind of our old house was uh, being broken down and we shifted to the you know, apartment right next to ours. So I, almost every day I would kind of just see what's happening over there and kind of fascinated, uh, you know, by that. And 
since you know architecture was kind of the top job in terms of uh, you know a civil engineer and architect and architect a uh, civil engineer should follow what the architect says so i'm like yeah that's who i want to be <laughs> Nice. So, uh, how how did you guys actually uh, right after you finished uh, architecture? How did you guys actually pivot to, you know, sustainable products? What was your journey towards that? Uh, so, I mean, we were working for some time uh, and doing freelance projects. Uh, once we kind of quit uh, working uh, and doing stuff on our own, we had a lot of free time. So, uh, we kind of self initiated, kind of self initiated, uh, you know, projects. uh was kind of doing furniture and things like that so in that sense we thought why not uh, you know explore a little bit uh, you know of product uh, not necessarily spaces alone so uh that's when we kind of were thinking of you know why you know, should we start something uh, to make like furniture and things like that but then we really didn't want to do only you know the standard metal and wood furniture we wanted to kind of do something different um, you know that's why I kind of started questioning and understanding you know where are materials coming from we we talk about teak and wood and all these other things laminates paints uh, we kind of really don't understand you know what are the consequences of choosing these finishes um, and you know what happens to that product in at the end of life you know laminate we talk about it being a cheap material but then you know you can't really recycle it what happens to that it doesn't biodegrade you're taking wood which is a natural material and then you know laminating it doing paints and but you know kind of understanding the consequences of all these small decisions and essentially it falls down to the designer who uh, you know is responsible for that we kind of educated whether he wants to from the clients or not and things like that so we felt that as a designer it was our responsibility to kind of educate people or uh, you know even the products that we do um, you know we have the opportunity of making a change there and that's when we thought looking at all the problems that were there we thought it would be great if we could you know start a company that makes products predominantly using waste as the raw material right Uh, we don't make products only from waste because I mean, at some point you need to balance them out um so our first material exploration i mean when we started off we were naive and we thinking yeah one year we'll do plastics next year is going to be rubber <laughs> and then fabric and it's going to be so many other things and you know three years down the line we're like plastics we will have scratched the top you know yeah so and yeah and we still haven't learned enough about plastic man it's such a, a, a big topic. field and so much complications involved So yeah, I, yeah. I was actually going to ask you guys uh, why you chose plastic, and and if someone thinks about uh, recycling or using waste, there's a huge uh, op- there's a hu- huge number of you know materials that you can use, and yeah, yeah you guys kind of answered it like plastic <laughs> itself is quite vast. Yeah, but that's that's, that's something we got. We kind of figured out after we got into it, right? We are architects. We have no idea about manufacturing. We yes. have no idea about plastics. So it was um, kind of I think. There were two ways before we started that we understood how people are doing it. People are upcycling it, so you see a lot of people taking tires, uh, you know, putting a fabric over it, using rope and making like you know a piece of furniture. That's something that we necessarily didn't want to do. Um, we wanted to kind of add a little bit more value, just not upcycling it, but kind of um, because it's very limiting. There's only so much that you can do. Like you can only play with the colors, with the fabrics. This is very limiting, and we and we wanted to kind of push that, and that's why we we chose recycling because. we have this opportunity to kind of create something blank uh, something that's a little bit more open um gives us a little bit of more freedom in terms of what uh, can be done uh, as well so uh, now that you've chosen your materials that you want to play around with and you know build out of that so how was it setting up your first studio and what were the challenges you faced in building your workshop in your first studio everything yeah <laughs> we started um, it was nice first we started off we set up our studio we got the machines it was pretty easy because we had this um, open source uh, 
you know, design for the machines and we bought the machines from a person who made the machines. And then after that, it was completely different for us because we were hands-on. We were working with the machines in the heat, which was kind of different because we had never done any of this and like carrying stuff, breaking metal, screwing stuff, spanner. I've never worked with a spanner before. So it's pretty cool um, and exciting. And then we started making products, but then every day would be like something new. We would like discover something new. We would work with one material and could like kind of uh, form a different thing. So each day would be like something new that we learned. So that was pretty interesting, um, setting up the workshop and doing all this research by ourselves. But also in the community, we learned a bunch of things. So we avoided uh, some some you know mistakes, mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> people already found out yeah so i mean yeah. there was a very particular um, uh, thought process behind um, you know working on the machines ourselves because we were very new to it for us to understand the nuances of how the manufacturing has to happen what's the best way we can systemize this uh, what's the limitations uh, when it comes to manufacturing a product um, you know designing a product we have to know um, how the manufacturing happens to design that product right uh, for wood and metal it's just we just do drawings and then we just give it to them and they fix the the fabricators, the carpenters figure it out. Um, but what is actually very more important is the person who's designing must also kind of understand the manufacturing process. What are the tools they use? What's available? What's limit? Like, uh, what's the resources that they have? Um, you know, um, and based on that only can you design uh, the product. So in that sense, it was uh, very uh, you know yeah. forceful for us to kind of do that because that's that's the only way we learn. Because um, like even with joinery with plastic apps like when we like screwed it on we could then understand how plastic worked and like you know the 45 degree joints or like you know the other joints it was very technical but also that was pretty interesting for us um because if you give it to your give it to your carpenter or, or whoever all that you see is him doing it but then you right. doing it makes a big difference yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. and so, the thing is that uh, with like prads like when he works on it he pushes the limit like the carpenter would be like oh i can't do this it's not gonna work but you know when he kind of you know does something like route it or something you kind of understand how the material works and it could push the limits of uh, the design so how are you balancing between building a product and building a studio and running a business because it's a two different ball game altogether <laughs> Okay, we'll tell you when we find the balance. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how, so who manages the business here and who manages the product here? So how, how does the balance work? In the starting, it was all chaos. In the starting, there was no business because um, it was R&D for us. Mm. After three years, I would say the first two and a half years was R&D. I like that <laughs> office. Uh, just simply because uh, when we started off, plas plastic recycling is just a process of changing virgin to recycled material, right? But I, we could be making small furniture, I mean, small jewelry pieces uh, all the way to furniture. Uh, the category was something that was never, uh, we never fixated on anything because we had three different kinds of machines that could make different kinds of outputs. And so it was always just exploring. So first two and a half years was just exploring manufacturing processes. Uh, what are the kind of products we can do? Uh, what kind of target segment are we looking at? So a lot of failures in terms of uh, uh, what we were doing because we would do a product and then we were like, okay, so this takes this much time and this much material, so cost is this. Uh, whereas in a traditional business, you would say a cost is this. Now let's develop a product according uh, to that um, because you need you have to understand the target market. And so these were a lot of failures that we essentially had in the starting uh, where we never took into the account of the business aspect at all because first of all we didn't have a target market, uh, you know, a target audience. Um, to build a product upon. And I think that's when I think last few months have been uh, a shift uh, in that direction because we've kind of identified uh, who we want as our target uh, 
audience um so i was saying that you know i i like how we've got you in the process of uh, you figuring out your product building also because i think even that is important I, i don't think everyone needs to figure everything out to to sort of start a business um i'm going to ask you specifically about uh, how you chose on the the name for your company it's called samsara um why samsara i mean uh, she was uh, she found the name as <laughs> uh so it basically means uh you know cyclicity of life bound in the material world basically the cycle of life and death so we found it to be you know uh, perfect uh, in our sense because we're trying to create what we call a circular economy um, trying to reuse waste to kind of then create uh, this loop uh, essentially in that sense so that we felt that was perfect for uh, you know the uh, what we're doing So, so what is the ultimate goal of Samsara? What is your vision behind? Mm, for us, it is uh, trying to create, you know, modern, you know, products with uh, everyday product with utilitarian value, um, essentially because uh, and create this from you know different waste streams to show potential uh, of our waste to educate people and to also create, uh, you know, this uh, to create the infrastructure in place to kind of dispose our waste responsibly. right because uh, that's also very important um uh, in in a way the what happens to our waste uh, in in uh, current you know scenario plastic is getting recycled but nobody knows what where it's going it's again getting used as fillers uh, many people are using it to create lower quality products because it's a volume based business so they want to reduce costs and so which essentially means uh, sooner or later the products are going to end up in the landfill uh, so we want to create products that have a long life span Um, so that's why I tend to choose furniture because. So tell us something which a common man does not know about plastic recycling. Something which can catch us off by surprise because we think if we put into the recycling bin, it's going to be end up recycled. Because I know that's ultimately not true. So can you explain on that process? Um, so uh, essentially, I mean, a lot of yeah, there are only a very few types of plastics that actually get recycled, and not all types of plastic get recycled everywhere. Uh, so for example, um, you know, your multi-layered packaging. that is used for your biscuit packets lace covers and all that 80% 90% time they won't get recycled here but if you go to gujarat or that uh, western belt they get recycled there into you know different kinds of products uh, low value uh, sheets which have a different application so it's based on the industry who uses it because here they don't use that material anywhere um so here it's not going to get recycled it's very specific based on the infrastructure available like i said uh, okay uh, and so Yeah, in your in your article, I recently read you also speak about the informal economy behind the uh, plastic recycling. Can you highlight that? Yeah, I mean, so essentially, uh, you know, the, the, there is no central um, authority that kind of is responsible for recycling waste. Um, so in India or many developing countries, it's run by these small uh, businesses, micro businesses, uh, that basically form this in, invisible supply chain that does all the recycling and recovery of material. So the starting point is the rack pickers and the roadside kabadiwalas that you will see who would collect different kinds of waste, paper, metal, and all of these waste. But behind them, there exists this huge uh, chain that basically just uh, you know uh, processes these materials and then basically makes them available again for industry use. So it's basically run by micro, like many, many like uh, yeah, micro businesses yeah. that do this work. and uh, do you guys work with them to get your uh, source yeah so we work with the last people at the end of, i mean the people at the end of supply chain who basically uh, have uh, the shredded plastics who 
you know, they keep different people collect it based on different levels of aggregation, and then they shred it and then they wash it. Um, sometimes they pelletize it uh, to make it of a uniform color. So we buy it uh, from these guys who you know um, trade uh, with these materials. So um, it's it's nice to know how you guys source your material, and and I'm sure when you started off, you spoke to us about this one particular open source community called Precious Plastic and how they sort of helped you. Um, I think it's very important that we sort of have a collaborative also ecosystem about, about most of design, right? It really helps to accelerate growth also. So tell us more about working with uh, an open source community. Also, I want to know a little bit about how you work with other designers. I, I see you guys have done the raw collaborative event also. What do you guys learn, learn from others and the collaborative nature of designing? Um, I think, uh, first of all, kudos to Precious Plastic because, you know, as designers, we never want to share our work. You know, it's, we yeah. think of our work as something that I created and nobody else should rip it off and things like that. But, you know, um, learning about open source and learning about people sharing their life's work uh, for free for everybody to kind of develop it for the greater good, uh, you know, it's just been something eye-opening for us personally. I mean, in the starting, we were very open to getting, you know, so that we can help other people also to do this. Um, and um, I think in the end of uh, November 2019, I think is when uh, we had the opportunity of, uh, you know, uh, working with Precious Plastics. So I was volunteering there for three months, um, developing a product for them with the new machines that they had just built. Uh, so it was... Uh, for a whole year, they were doing R&D uh, and building machines and uh, processes and products. Uh, this was done by 100 random people from all over the world uh, who just met, uh, who we all lived together, uh, you know, work together, cycle to work. Uh, eat, eat vegan food. food. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, there was really nothing in common except for the fact that we wanted to contribute something to the, you know, recycling, uh, to do something with the plastic waste. And uh, the kind of environment that created, I mean, the impact of getting people with just, uh, you know, there are more differences than uh, 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 common commonalities, right? And but to see the power that that one single thought had, there were like it was so smooth. Everything was so uh, was done very well. There it was a it was organized very well. Uh, you know, everybody had a voice. Uh, uh, everybody were given equal responsibilities and to see all of that and people who never knew each other coming and living together and kind of working on that was something absolutely amazing uh, to this day as well. It's an experience we would never forget. So what did you guys uh, learn about your latest event with Rock Collaborator? How was it to work? See other designers also do things and did you kind of pick each other's brain off? on how to develop products also specific to recycling? Um, yeah, very much uh, in a sense. Uh, uh, so it was great to see, you know, each person has their own kind of view or definition of sustainability. A few people, uh, you know, bring it about in maintaining and reviving crafts, uh, not using too much, uh, using technology to enable these craftsmen, but not necessarily to take away the craftsmen. Uh, few of them in terms of materials, few of them in terms of how long the products last, like the longevity of the products, that's also sustainable uh, in a way. Um, so it was great to see different yeah. people bringing kind of different points of view or again on the same, uh, you know, topic, but uh, seeing how they attacked it. So, I mean, they thought about it very differently. And uh, also the fact that it was all like uh, businesses that kind of are kind of moving towards, uh, you know, these goals. I do believe this collaborative workforce and you know being open sources uh, with perspective NFTs coming in, where you have credibility of your designs and you know your authenticity also gets out. So this really makes 
your ideas and imaginations come to life in a very open way so you know being going into all of this especially with your material around with your business around recycling so what is a what is a bad advice when it comes to recycling about the materials we use very commonly or yeah i mean uh, so the biggest thing that we see is uh, you know i mean re- recycling was even invented by the traditional plastic industry so that they can do basically make more products right uh, so the idea is that just because you are recycling it uh, doesn't mean you can consume more continue to consume more um, what's really more important is um, to not consume a- as much as we can i'm sure there's so many things that we need to but essentially then trying to dispose it off responsibly um, i think as consumers it's our responsibility if we buy something to ensure that we that uh, you know uh, dispose it off responsibly so i think the best thing would be to uh, consume less consume less as much as possible yeah. but where we do uh, try to be as uh, you know conscious I, as we can to i completely agree that we've completely been like desensitized to the idea of recycle the word recycle itself because everything looks like oh we're recycling we're recycling when we actually not completely thinking about the life cycle of the uh of the uh, product yeah. so um i don't know like what would you say to someone who is trying to be sustainably or, or trying to be a little conscious i know one is to sort of uh, bring down our consumption of plastic the other way should be what is it um uh, how do we if for, for a layman how do we wean away from single use plastic or can we even do that i think we should buy some sara products for us <laughs> <laughs> in general it would be definitely consume less like you said but also fixing the things that you currently have like you know you right now i guess people like even with a pen right you're just going to throw a pen but then i i remember being in eighth grade buying like 100 refills for that one pen and i would keep you know refilling but right now i never buy like no one ever buys refills but that's the whole point people kind of even if it's 10 rupees people don't care anymore they, they just want to throw it but no one thinks about just like fixing that even if it's you know not valuable in the whole sense of life even if it's cheap you need to think about fixing it like if my jeans tore i'm not going to throw it away i want to like rather mend it and use it and i guess that's what would be like to be a bit more sustainable that would be like the basic is kind of fix the things that you have around rather than just dumping it out and that would make like a big change in anyone's lives i think uh, another thing what i would say is also people to be more aware of how it can be recycled because like right now two weeks back i sort of took away all the extra clothes that i had that i didn't really need and i don't want to throw it away i don't know what to do with it like i literally don't want to throw it away because i feel like i'm dumping it somewhere right so i'm trying to find a place where it can go and start another life together so even that understanding is what people need to be aware of too correct absolutely and i guess that's uh, i think everything is i think the needs- more it, it's it's just like uh, i mean it's it's an interest right if you if for a layman i don't know anything about watches but somebody who's interested in watches knows a lot about watches right so if you are if um, that's the that's the problem it you have to be really really passionate to kind of do the research to understand what uh, and, you know, yeah and i it, think also consciousness should be uh, you know like very community driven like you know as a community yeah, you should be more aware of what you're doing for example i think when when you went back to the ink i mean our refills example janesh is my only friend who uses a ink pen so he's been using the same pen for probably like last 5 years so let's uh, get to a session where you know we uh, bring out photos of your products of uh, what you guys have produced and just tell us about your experiences of making it and the idea behind it so i'm going to share my screen and struggles so, trying to get it done yeah. <laughs> so our audience also knows uh, you know like can get a glimpse of your products right here yeah so can you see my screen yeah okay let, let me zoom out a little bit yeah and that's a beautiful table of 
Is that in your house or? Yeah. Okay. Can I can I say something about this? I saw you guys doing this the first version of it when you guys put up that in Amethyst, and I think it's very smart that you incorporated a few more uh, materials into it. It's come out very well. Yeah, I mean that that was the kind of idea uh, in a sense. So in the starting, we kind of said, okay, let's use plastic, plastic, plastic. But then we kind of understood that it's it's a very limiting factor. Um, you know, we must. Uh, it's a very new material. People don't know too much about it. So we kind of wanted to you know juxtapose it against materials that people are familiar with. So this was more of an exploration um, in terms of that. Um, but this collection was basically uh, called the Unity Collection, where it's uh, you know the whole. Piece is kind of formed by smaller parts that come together to create something larger than itself. Um, so actually, the tabletop is made from four, uh, eight, eight uh, sheets, uh, and not uh, one single sheet. Um, and again, the legs are sandwiched by these brass pieces. Kind of, uh, essentially, kind of saying, you know, each small, even if it's a small piece, it has its own importance. And without that, everything would kind of fall apart. Um, in in a sense, so that was our, uh, you know. Uh, the same on that. This is an extension. The shelf was an extension of that um, as well. Uh, But so, obviously, we couldn't use brass for this, so we just went. So you, you did speak a lot about the shelf in your article, where you know, like you talk about the strength of these structures and you know, combining different materials so you can improve the strength with very less material put into it. So can you explain on that? Yeah. So basically, um, this was an exploration where uh, we made. Something much larger than the sheet itself. So the sheets are only four by two, four feet by two feet, and this shelf is about six and a half feet by seven feet. Um, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of develop something that, um, like I said, unit the unity collection of smaller parts coming together and sandwiching to so that uh, you know it makes something much stronger. So these pieces are actually just two inches wide and ten uh, mm thick. Uh, so as a single piece, that's um, As flimsy as a metal ruler, right? Uh, which is very, uh, which not has has too much strength on its own. So, um, by sandwiching and clubbing all of these materials together, we were able to create something that was much more stable, much more uh, better. And the idea of again using wood uh, was here to kind of um, make the plastic kind of stand out. And uh, automatically, because people associate. You know, very light tone wood and something like this to be of a slightly more higher value. Because when we talk about plastics, we think of something cheap and something, uh, uh, you know, especially recycled plastic. Recycled material itself has a very wrong connotation uh, in the Indian market, at least. Um, and so we wanted to kind of use materials that people are familiar with. Uh, people kind of feel, uh, you know, this material itself is something rich and uh, bring in a designer element with the plastics. So that uh, you know, we can create these. So actually, the pattern also we don't work with just a single uh, single color. Our idea was to create uh, you know a, a mimic terrazzo uh, using again waste stone with. What is a terrazzo? So it's uh, the olden in the olden days you would have seen the mosaic flooring. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically that um, where we use. So that's like the flow. So we wanted to kind of get that with plastic, kind of create this black. And these spots of other colors to to keep it a little bit more interesting, make it look like stone. Uh, so how do you get that? Is it in the mixture itself, or is it uh, how, how does that work? In the mixture itself. So when we uh, we mix black with a bunch of other colors in small percentages, so it gives this even, you know, even tone of uh, speckles. So we in use... this you see like gray and white speckles on black. I think the next 
picture. Oh, I don't think so. In this, if you go to the next image after the light. Yeah, like blue, green, and red, white, mixed on a black base. So we completely customize uh, to other people who come to us. They can be like, I want a gray base. Can you do different speckles? So then we do that based on people's choice. But we wanted a black uh, tone to our products on the first collection. So this is all part of your Unity collection. Yeah. Yeah. This one. Go for it. This one, um, uh, is, this one is also another experiment that uh, we did. So this is actually made from the waste that is generated uh, while we manufacture our products. Um, so we have to route the edges to get a neat finish. So that time we had flakes that is generated. So we developed our own process of kind of, um, uh, you know, making manually uh, manufacturing this sphere uh, by pouring this uh, flakes on top of a hot mold. Uh, and so then that so what happens is basically because it's very tiny thin strands of plastic uh, they've melt and fused together which create kind of, this paper mache yeah kind uh, of has like this very uh, textured plastic finish which you don't it, it, it isn't clean it's like you see it has like this two yeah. color I love the piece because of the story behind it more also yeah. <laughs> So what is the story behind? As in uh, the, the fact that you were recycling, recycling yeah. plastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, and I think I've seen this in one of the cafes you had put out in Chennai. Uh, this one was for a client in Pune. Uh, but the other one was uh, uh, the bench and the tabletops we did. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, so this is another experiment. Uh, that we kind of did. Uh, so we were also doing beams for a very long time. Uh, so how do you test the durability and the functionality of the product? What kind of process is that? Um, so you can we, see if it breaks. It, yeah. yeah. We make it, <laughs> it was very hands-on. <laughs> dropping it, throwing it, sitting it, putting it outside. <laughs> yeah, for a long time, this chair is actually outside. We left it in our uh, balcony. On balcony while construction was going on. We wanted to see how durable it's going to be. So people just stamping on it, paint all over it, scratches. Just yeah. <laughs> Leave it in the sun, uh, <laughs> just to see, you know, what happens to it and how uh, where it functions. And what is this? So this was uh, another chair. This was a chair we developed uh, like two years ago. Um, so it was a lounge chair, and we just wanted to keep everything very flat pack basis at that time, and also show that um, be plastic can, if we including plastic and wood, it's very recyclable. It's gonna be just four. Screws, five screws. You need to take out, take out the plastic and recycle it, and then put the wood to some other use. And that's basically with all our designs is uh, the plastic and the other materials easily removable. So in case you wanna throw it, at, at that time it's just gonna be four screws out and the plastics out, and you can always throw it in different segregated essentially. Yeah. So they all go in a small box. This one would be a small box, but yeah, essentially. So even the shelf is again uh, flat all, almost flat packed. Uh, it would take about. 10 minutes to set it up, uh, you know, it's just, there's no screws or anything that you just need to uh, snap into place. Nice. And uh, yeah. So I, like how, I, like, I like how you've got the transparency out on this uh, material, on this yeah. chair. Yeah. This was another experiment. I think a friend, so during our time uh, in Netherlands, a friend of ours had uh, designed this chair. So we kind of wanted, we loved, uh, I fell in love with this and for a long time we've been wanting to, uh, you know, make this happen here. Uh, and uh, so this we got we had a client who wanted a couple of outdoor chairs and we thought this would be a perfect uh, you know chance to make this happen so this was again an open source design we just uh, slightly altered uh, the design so that it would fit 
for our yeah. uh, needs and manufacturing processes. And uh, actually, this material is uh, made from um, old CD cases. Okay. Oh. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's another nice. material. Um, so that's why the blue tint. Uh, okay. Process, yeah. So how? So do you use any kind of molds for this to get this uh, shape in? Uh, so this one is uh, so the reason we chose uh, polystyrene is because uh, you can bend it. So after we make the sheet, we can cut it to the desired shape, and then we don't remelt it, but we reheat it so that it's uh, flimsy. So then we take it and we put it in a mold. Uh, so this one, these molds are very basic. They aren't as expensive as the molds you would require uh, if you melt the plastic in it. So these are more uh, easier molds. So we did uh, make the molds for these. Nice. Awesome. So, uh, so you guys have a, a range of products. So where is your focus on right now like, you know, when it comes to launches and you know, how do you uh, sustain your business or, or you know, the face of the business from the production? So how do you sustain that? Balance? So, I mean, yeah, in the start, we were developing on our own, uh, but now we're trying to uh, have ideas, do smaller prototypes and testings for, you know, in theory and uh, try to get clients who we can you know, experiment a little bit with. So, okay. for example, this chair uh, was uh, done after we got a client. Uh, we did not uh, do it with our own budget. So, we, of course, we do we do take the cost for R and D for a little for most of the products. Uh, but at least it's done where we at least sell the product uh, after that. Again, mistakes we learned uh, from before, where we used to invest the cost for the product and R and D, and then not sell the product. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I honestly think like the way you guys spoke about it, it's it's you guys have pioneered it in uh, in at least in Chennai and in India. Um, how do you guys? Uh, I'm gonna shift to a little fun question. How do you guys like differentiate between professional and and personal time? I know both of you are married co-founders. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we have our own forties. Like he takes care of design, so we kind of uh, in the start it was a bit complicated. Like stepping on each other's toes were kind. Of, what was happening yeah. all the time because we're uh, both architects and designers. So yeah, we always have different senses of design and also aesthetic wise, he's so different. Like he likes the minimal look. I'm more like the ornate kind of person. So it would be always like that. But then after like a couple of months, we kind of figured that we should have like different forties, so we segregated the work uh, towards what I like to do and what he's good at, and then we would kind of uh, then uh, keep the work timings for doing our separate things <laughs> and then kind of collaborate when needed you know that was much easier yes. um, so you guys went to school to i mean college together and that's when you met and then started the company or how, how old is the company yeah we started this uh, company about 3 years ago okay yeah so we we got out of college 5 years ago 6 yeah 2016 which yeah 5 years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah Uh, and, and yeah, and starting a company is extremely difficult. You guys have done that. Uh, and so, what what has been your favorite failure in this company? Mm, favorite failure. <laughs> lots of failures mean yeah, yeah. lots of success. So, but still, we want to know uh, what your favorite failure is. I mean, um, in a sense, uh, I mean the biggest failure. I was glad I did. I would change the question slightly. Uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, when we started off, we had zero idea of what we wanted to do. Uh, so we just got the machines, and then we were like, uh, we were like kids in a candy shop. Yes, this month we we just like this machine, this machine, and then we keep experimenting, and then we're like, oh, it's not working. Let's move to the next machine. Keep working on that. Oh, it's not working. Move to the next machine, and this is not working. Okay, okay, let's give this another try. You know, kind of uh, being uh, monkeys in a zoo, just like doing different things, not having any um, you know plan uh, in place. I think that has taught us a lot in terms of. Um, Where we are today, because right now that gave us clarity that uh, 
you know, without the target audience, um, without the market that we want to do, we cannot develop a product um, that was there. Like we were trying to develop a product, then try to see what category they might be in, and then say, okay, uh, this is my manufacturing cost. Now I need to sell it at this much to make it work. Uh, which kind of just didn't make any sense as uh, in today's time after uh, two years yeah. screwing it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, what's next for you guys? Uh, like, I mean, how? What is your vision for your company in the next five years? Where do you see this going? Uh, what are the projections you guys have in place? Uh, so we are um, actually setting up our own facility right now. So we were, we have our prototype sheets and all of that, but uh, uh, they are very small in uh, size. So we are building our own facility to uh, do larger sheets, um, and so that's in progress. So in the next, uh, I think four months, four to five months, we should be um, you know up and running. And uh, with that, we are basically uh, you know essentially to make a product which everyone else can use instead of us brainstorming. I think we can provide this to other designers, designers and architects because a lot of people reach out to us, like designers especially, wanting to use this, but we really don't have the time to sit and experiment with all of them, right? We already have in like a lot mm. of things to do by ourselves, but and that's when you know uh, we thought that could be the thing. Like it could be a new architectural material instead of you know a tabletop in stone. Why can't you use recycled plastic? And why should we the are the why should we only be doing it? Rather, we wanted to share the material yeah. with everybody else so that they can use it in their projects and in their sites and uh, you know in their products yeah, as well. That way, also it helps you in uh, scaling up your business wealth yeah. that is going on, and you guys are focusing more on the design side. That's very smart, actually. Um, what what would be the advice you guys would give your twenty one year old self? Uh, get ex- get more experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as so until you're in college, kind of uh, milk the opportunity to get good exposure, real life experience. Because uh, once you get in. Uh, get into the real world. I mean, it's a completely different ball game. <laughs> it, you can screw up how much you want in, uh, you know, while you're studying and make mistakes and learn that way. Uh, once you get into real life, things change drastically. But uh, real life experience would definitely be nice. So this is a question that we ask all our uh, all our uh, guests. Um, if you had a billboard and you want to say something or write something on, what would it be? Well, you have two billboards. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show. Uh, yes, I'd say uh, be fearless but patient. Nice, nice. And what would be for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would be be a realist. Wow, <laughs> keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone to. <laughs> yeah, true. So <laughs> true. How do our audience get in touch with you guys? In, in case like, how do we reach out to you? Um, you can reach us out on our uh, Instagram. I think that's where we're most uh, active. active. And uh, our mail ID is uh, our website. You know, yeah, website, of... samsaratiasi.com. You want me to say the email? It's hello yeah. at samsaratiasi.com. But yeah, <laughs> either way, we'll reply to you soon, even if it takes a bit of time. <laughs>